Hey everybody, this is TJ Hensley, and welcome back to the Appalachian Firesides podcast. Uh, glad you all are tuning in once again and joining for what's the first episode of 2022. Uh, and so on that note, happy belated new year, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays uh, to all of you guys out there who have been celebrating these past few weeks or uh, are continuing to celebrate. I uh, hope you're having a good holiday season and enjoying it, uh, staying safe. Um, I know that it was a bit more difficult to celebrate uh, in person traditionally uh, this year than it was um, than than we would have liked for it to be, especially with uh, COVID cases going up pretty much everywhere. Um, but you know, hopefully, 2022 will um, look closer to what we we remember from before before the pandemic. Uh, on that note, uh, I'm excited going into the new year. I'm looking forward to it, and I think that I'm not alone in that fact. I saw a poll out on, uh, I think it was CBS News, just a couple of days before New Year's, and um, out of the folks who were polled, uh, they asked how people felt going into 2021, how they feel 2021 panned out, and how they feel going into 2022 or felt at that time. A lot of a lot of people were not happy with the way 2021 turned out, and I, I'd have to agree. But I think that, and I don't, I should have um, had the poll in front of me to give you all the real numbers. But I think that a lot of those who were polled here, they weren't very optimistic going into 2021, which I understand. You know, uh, I think we can all universally agree that 2020 was bad. It was really bad. Uh, and so I can understand, you know, at the uh, end of that year and going into the new one before we had vaccines uh, widely available like we do now for COVID-19, uh, why a lot of people would be apprehensive going into 2021. I felt optimistic about it, but if y'all know me personally, uh, and even if you don't and have just been listening in uh, I may not have done a very good job of conveying this, but uh, I'm a really optimistic person. I'll 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 own that. Uh, I'm I pretty much wear rose colored glasses twenty four seven. So I was pretty excited going into twenty twenty one, but I'll I'll admit it didn't pan out as well as I thought or I'd hoped it, it that it would. But I feel a lot better about uh, going into this year than I did last year. So uh, I think it'll be a good year. I hope you all have a good year. Some things I'm looking forward to. Definitely being back on campus uh, at college after being away for so long uh, felt for what was two months felt like a year and a half, two years. I'm really excited to see folks that I haven't seen since uh, since October when we left to, to go to England. And on that note, I'm excited about finishing up junior year. It's hard to believe how quickly uh, this is a whole, you know, college thing has gone by. Uh, I have a year and a half and change before I graduate. Uh, and if anybody out there, if you're listening to this and you maybe are in college, like a freshman, or you haven't gotten to college yet, uh, I'll tell you what my grandparents and my parents told me when I was a kid and that I never believed, but I promise you is the absolute truth. Enjoy every second of it because the older you get, the faster it really does go by. Um, so enjoy it. Have fun. Take risks. Uh, do what you want to do. Be kind. Be uh, compassionate. Um, and just make the most out of it. But I'm, I'm sounding like an old man now. Uh, well, I kind of have an old soul, but it, you know what? Y'all know what I mean. Um, what else? Oh, 
Uh, I'm also looking forward to getting the LSAT over with, the uh, admissions test for law school. I think that's what those letters stand for, law school admissions test. I don't know. I should probably know that by now, but I don't. It's fine. Um, but that's the test that you have to take in order to um, apply to law school. So I'll probably be taking that sometime this summer. So uh, keep me in your prayers and send good thoughts and good vibes my way um, that that will pan out okay. I'll um, depending on how I score, I may or may not tell you guys how it goes, uh, but I, I think it'll go well. It'll be fine. Um, and what else? Oh, um, I'm very, very excited. T- two more things, and then I'll, I'll move on. I'm very excited for the Batman movie coming out in March of this year. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I'm a huge superhero movie fan. I love the Marvel movies. By the way, if any of y'all have not gotten to see Spider-Man No Way Home, go see it. Uh, my family and I went to go watch it for for New Year's. We're all huge Marvel fans and particularly Spider-Man fans. Uh, and this is probably the best Marvel movie that's ever been made as of yet. I won't spoil it for you guys. I won't spoil anything. I'll leave it at there. There was about a two-week gap in between when the movie came out and when I actually got to see it. Uh, and a lot of folks were really gracious with me not to, not to spoil it. Uh, and so I will uh, not spoil it for you, you folks, but... Trust me, if you're even just a casual Marvel fan, go watch this movie. It's awesome. But anyway, I I am a huge Marvel fan, but Batman is definitely my favorite superhero of all time. Uh, Ever since I was a kid, comics, TV shows, movies, video games, I've loved everything about Batman. And I'm excited to see how this movie will go. It's definitely got, if you've seen the trailers for it, um, it stars, by the way, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne and Batman, uh, Andy Serkis as uh, Alfred, uh, Colin Farrell as uh, the Penguin, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, um, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. I cannot remember the name of the uh, gentleman who pl- who plays Riddler. Um, I think his first name's Paul. But anyway, it looks like a really, really good um, film. I'm much more optimistic than about this movie than I was about previous DC films. DC doesn't have the best track record for uh movies like like marvel does uh the joker with joaquin phoenix was a a good movie uh really intense uh definitely a darker tone than certainly any of the marvel movies darker tone than i think most of the dc movies that preceded it uh and i think that dc is i'm going into a lot more detail about this than i thought but we'll we'll go with it i think the dc is going to start trying to make films with like a darker tone with like a more mature theme um, in order to, to fill that space that I don't think Marvel has yet. Marvel is still pretty lighthearted, especially compared to, you know, other kinds of movies. Uh, but I think that especially for like a dark and brooding character like Batman and the villains that he faces, I think that'll be a good direction to go, uh, for, for these movies going forward. So I'm really excited about that movie, uh, comes out in March, 2022, and the second big thing that I'm looking forward to this year is voting for Charles Booker to be the next United States Senator from Kentucky. Uh, I've I mentioned him, I think, on my episode with uh, that I recorded with my friend Andy. Charles Booker is a former state representative here in Kentucky who ran in the Democratic primary, U.S. Senate primary in 2020 to run against Mitch McConnell and um, lost that primary, I think, by two, two and a half percentage points, came really close, uh, did a lot better in Eastern Kentucky than a lot of folks thought he would. 
And now he is running again in the Democratic primary to run against uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, in the general election this year. Um, listen, I, I've I, I've had the privilege of meeting Charles Booker once uh, up at an event he had in Pikeville. Um, and just from hearing his thoughts about what we need to do to make Kentucky a better place for the folks who live here, I think that he'll be a fantastic United States senator for this state. Uh, I will definitely be returning to... Uh, to talk about him and his candidacy, his campaign, how it's going. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But needless to say, I'm looking forward to sending him to the United States Senate come November. And those are just a few things that I'm looking forward to in 2022. I hope you all are looking forward to the year as well. Uh, like I said, I think it'll be a good one. I'm feeling optimistic about it. And I hope that it goes well for all of y'all. So as usual, uh, there are a couple of uh, local news stories that I wanted to uh, bring to your all's attention about things going on here in Kentucky. And um, to wrap up, there's um, a national story. I don't know if you could call it a headline. It probably should be a headline, but needless to say, it has, um, I think, broad implications, not just for Appalachia, but I think for the whole country. So uh, let's get into it. Um, unfortunately, there have been more severe storms um, which have impacted um, folks here in Kentucky. Um, just before New Year's, I think it was, there were several flash floods, power outages, and I think a tornado actually touched down in the city of Hopkinsville for a time. Uh, this all coming less than a month um, after a deadly tornado struck western Kentucky, uh, particularly cities of Mayfield and uh, Bowling Green and several other places, Dawson Springs, in uh, uh, Western Kentucky, which left uh, 77 dead in uh, this state and 90 overall across other states as well. Uh, as for the more recent storms, there were no immediate reports of uh, injuries or, or anyone who died, thankfully. Uh, several states in the southeastern U.S. were under uh, flood and tornado watches, uh, including not just Kentucky, but West Virginia and uh, I think a couple others too. So needless to say, uh, to anyone who's been impacted by these storms in whatever manner, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you, and uh, we hope all is well and that you're able to, to bounce back from this. Uh, let's get into a little politics here. Uh, governor Andy Bashir, uh, the incumbent Democratic governor of Kentucky, announced that his reelection campaign had raised uh, $1.3 million in their first fundraising report uh, as he's running for a second four-year term as governor of Kentucky. Uh, that election will be held in 2023. Um, State Auditor uh, Mike Harmon, no, not Mark Harmon, the actor, although I did think for a second I was trying to remember Mike Harmon's name, and I typed in Mark Harmon, and uh, I, the actor's Wikipedia page pulled up, and I thought, why is that guy running for governor of Kentucky? But no, it's uh, Mike Harmon, although if it were a choice between the actor Mark Harmon and the Kentucky State Auditor Mike Harmon, I would probably vote for Mark Harmon for governor of Kentucky. You can't go wrong with backing Agent Gibbs from NCIS. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, the auditor, Mike Harmon, uh, who's the only major uh, Republican uh, challenger to announce a run against Andy Bashir, um, has not released his fundraising numbers. So we're not sure how uh, he's doing in fundraising. I'll say this. Um, I think that Governor Bashir has done an excellent job. Uh, leading the state of Kentucky. I think his response to the COVID-19 pandemic was uh, excellent. Given the circumstances, nobody knew anything about COVID when the pandemic started. Uh, and I think that 
the governor led with uh, compassion and and determination to to save lives and i don't think he cared at all what kind of political consequences would follow i think he was just trying to uh, help protect people and do the right thing and he's done a fantastic job in other respects uh, there's a record number of uh, different economic development projects have opened up in kentucky since he came into office uh, i think 19 or 20,000 new jobs created just in the past two years that he's been in office. I think he's done a fantastic job, and I will absolutely be supporting him uh, in that uh, governor's election. So I think he's done a great job, and he'll con- and I think he'll continue to do a great job for the state. So I'm sure I'll be returning to uh, give you all uh, updates on how that race is going, particularly as we get closer to it uh, at the start of 2023. But uh, all in all, I think that uh, $1.3 million in three or four months, uh, I think, is when this uh, the amount of time in which this money was raised. I think that's a, that's a good sign for the governor. So I'm sure I'll be returning to cover that election as time goes on. In keeping with what's been going on with Kentucky state government, uh, yesterday, Tuesday, marked the start of the 2022 uh, legislative session for the Kentucky General Assembly, where the State House of Representatives and the State Senate will be introducing uh, and voting on bills for the governor to consider uh, signing into law or vetoing. To be entirely honest with y'all, my expectations for how this session will go are not great largely because of how I feel that the 2021 special legislative session went. So also not great. Uh, If y'all would like a more detailed account as to why I think the 2021 special session did not go very well at all, I actually recorded an episode for the podcast just after that session had wrapped up uh, back towards the end of the summer. So um, I encourage you to go listen to it uh, for a lot more detail and more explanations as to why I thought that things were going so badly. Um, I'll give you all a little context. So the governor is empowered to call a special legislative session, which typically lasts, I think, two or three days in which the legislature will focus um, on a certain set of priorities that the governor points to as he calls the session. And the point of that session was to create um, policy and laws surrounding COVID-19. And at this time, Kentucky, cases in Kentucky were spiking to what was then their all-time high uh, because of the Delta variant. And with uh, school about to start for um, uh, kids across Kentucky, and uh, this being before a lot of them were eligible to get vaccinated against COVID-19, there was a concern that without a set of policies and laws regarding COVID-19 and how it was to be addressed, that a lot of kids would end up getting COVID and getting really sick from it. And this was after the legislature took away the emergency powers of the governor to uh, create mask mandates for schools and, and things like that. And so it was the legislature's responsibility to create policy that would protect kids from from COVID-19. And I think that um, in regards to that goal and that that end, uh, the legislature, uh, for lack of better phrasing, uh, fumbled the ball. And so uh, I, like I said, I go into a lot more detail in that episode uh, as to why I think that was the case. So um, 
go listen to that episode if you'd like to hear my thoughts on it. I promise it's not too bad. Uh, the episode that is. Um, however, I, in keeping with the theme, I am a little bit more optimistic about this uh, upcoming legislative session than I perhaps was about the, uh, the special session. Um, and that is because there are some potentially bipartisan issues that could emerge uh, relating to betting on sports gaming and even uh, medical uh, cannabis legislation. It looks like there could be some potential for Democrats and Republicans in the legislature to work together to create laws that make life better for folks in Kentucky. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, I'll die on this hill. I think that's the whole point of government, to, to make people's lives better. Um, some issues that will probably come up, uh, redistricting with the 2020 census complete and the data out from that, um, the legislature, I think, has already released, yeah, they have a new map uh, of the legislative districts for the state house of representatives and state senate and also uh, congressional districts for the united states house of representatives um and i'm uh sad to tell you all that that map is um pretty heavily manipulated to uh favor the party which controls the state house and state legislature really uh, the republican party and that they've made the kentucky sixth congressional district which includes um uh, Lexington, as well as a lot of the surrounding counties. Um, that district has gotten more uh, competitive in the last uh, couple of election cycles, and the new map actually makes it easier for um, the incumbent candidate, uh, Representative Andy Barr, and uh, Republican candidates in general to do uh, better in that in that district. Um, and I'll just say this really quickly about, about gerrymandering, which is uh, for any of y'all who may not know, that's when the party in power to create um, maps of congressional districts and state house districts and, and things of that nature manipulate the map to suit um, their own party. And I think that's bad either way it goes. Uh, I think that if you're going to create fair elections and fair governmental systems that give everybody a shot at having their own voice heard, we definitely shouldn't give that power to political parties because political parties by and large are going to do what they can to suit their own interests. And when you've got total control of that process in the hands of one party or the other, they're eventually going to shut out voters from the opposing party. And that's wrong. Either way it goes, everybody deserves a chance to make their voice heard through electing their representatives. And unless it's a fair process, in which both candidates have a pretty equal shot at getting elected and they have to convince people to vote for them. If you just make the districts safe for the incumbent of whatever party is um, controlling the process of putting up these districts, you're not going to give them any incentive to try to appeal to people to vote for them. You're just going to make it to where they don't have to worry about um, getting reelected at all. And uh, that's something that I could speak of a bit regarding my own congressional district for the United States House of Representatives. I'm sure I'll be returning to that point. Uh, but I don't think that this should be a partisan process. I think that you should have independent um, commissions that look at the census data about where folks are living and impartially create congressional districts and state house districts and state senate districts 
that reflect the the population of where people are living. That and if you make it a fair process to where both candidates or any candidate has a fair shot of winning, then that should be what we all expect from government to make it so that anybody has a fair shot at making their voice heard through their elections. Uh, so I'm against gerrymandering across the board, and I'm definitely against this map that they've released, the Kentucky State Legislature has released, uh, that potentially makes it harder for some folks to voice their own views through the ballot box. Um, so hopefully they'll find a way maybe to work with uh, the governor or the uh, the uh, Democratic minority in the state house and the state Senate to create a fairer map. Uh, but I'm not sure. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. A couple of issues that are probably going to come up in this session. Uh, it's a longer session. It runs until I think the end of April. Uh, definitely COVID-19 policy with um, cases reaching a point here in Kentucky that they have never reached in the whole in since the pandemic started. Uh, the state state budget will probably also be um, an issue that is uh, is considered. Uh, and as things happen and uh, come about through the news, I'll be sure to give you all an update as to how that's going. And you know, I'll be giving you my thoughts on it as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. I will say though that um, there was one particular bill that did come out of the regular 2021 legislative session in the Kentucky uh, General Assembly that I think is uh, an excellent bill, and I wanted to um, talk to you guys about because it could impact what happens in 2022, in the 2022 session. And that is House Bill number 95. Uh, it passed the Assembly in February of 2021 and was signed into law by Governor Bashir and went into effect, I believe, at the start of the year, so just a few days ago. And what that bill does is lower the cost of uh, insulin to $30 for a month's supply of insulin for anyone under a state medical insurance plan. Now, I think that is a tremendous first step to take in making insulin more affordable for the folks that need it. Uh, one out of every four people in Kentucky suffers from either type 1 or type 2 diabetes. I'm sure that we all know somebody who does. Uh, a lot of people have had to ration their insulin. Um, I think this is something that I brought up in the previous episode regarding the President's Build Back Better Act that also deals with uh, prescription drug prices, insulin being among them. 25% um, of folks in Kentucky with either type 1 or type 2 diabetes, and at a time when the price of insulin is, I think, up to $300 for one vial. Um, that It makes no sense why that's the case, and I'm glad to see Democrats and Republicans working together to create laws like this that are common sense and that do actually make people's lives tangibly better. Um, nobody should have to ration their insulin because they can't afford it, uh, and nobody should have to worry about that happening to them. Nobody should have to be choosing between whether they'll pay their utility bills or get their medicine. Um, and so this bill is a very good first step to take. I'm, I'm glad that it um, was unanimously approved out of the, the General Assembly. And, and uh, what's more is that it could go farther, as I think it should. And I know a lot of other people think that we should go farther in making insulin even more affordable for even more people. I personally think that we should get to the point where you don't even have to pay uh, for prescription drugs, that they're free at the point of use. Um, but that's uh, 
I'm sure I'll talk about that side of the healthcare debate at some point, but I think this is a good first step to take. Uh, and as I said, um, Representative uh, Patty Minter in the uh, state house is co-sponsoring a bill that would lower that copay even farther to $25 for a month's supply of insulin and would uh, make that an option for, um, would expand that to even more insurance plans, not just state medical insurance plans. Um, and, you know, I, I have a diverse, my I have a set of friends with a diverse range of beliefs talking about the political spectrum. You know, I've got friends who are really, who are pretty conservative. I've got friends who are uh, really progressive. I've got a lot of friends um, who find themselves somewhere in between that agree and disagree with ideas on both sides. And among that group of folks whom I've had conversations with about things like these, I've never met a single person, regardless of their political affiliation, who thinks that making uh, prescription drugs like insulin and and others like them more affordable for people. I haven't met a single person who thinks that's a bad idea. And I think that that is a common sense issue that a lot of people, regardless of what your party affiliation or your um, how you see yourself as a conservative or liberal, progressive, centrist, whatever, I think that's one thing that a lot of us can come together and work together on and and make a reality. Uh, this bill came about through Democrats and Republicans working together and doing the work of government, making people's lives better. Uh, and I think certainly that we need to go farther than this um, through measures like the bill that uh, Representative Minter is co-sponsoring to make insulin even more affordable for more people. Um, but I think that we can take that, we've taken that first step that we needed to take in making it affordable for a lot of folks. And now we need to go even farther. Uh, and so that is um, why I am going to give you all the number for the state legislature here in Kentucky, in which you can call this number and uh, be directed to the office of your legislator, both in the state house and the state Senate. And I highly encourage you to call them and tell them to support that bill. It's bill request 53, uh, co-sponsored by representative Patty Minter lowers a uh, copay of a uh, month's supply of insulin down to $25 and expands it to cover folks of, under different medical insurance plans. That phone number is 1-800-372-7181. And I'll be posting that on uh, social media pages for the podcast. If you um, would like to share it with other people, um, please, if you can, call your legislator here in Kentucky and tell them to support that bill, Bill Request 53. So before we close out here, there's one more uh, story issue thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about and give you my thoughts on. And it comes out of a poll from NPR, uh, which is National Public Radio. And I want to preface this by saying that when I consult news sources, just for my own personal news consumption and especially for any material that I want to talk about here on the podcast, I always try to stick with news sources that are unbiased and impartial in the way that they present the news. Because I know that, just as well as y'all know, that mainstream major news outlets, almost all of them, have a certain audience that they try to cater their message to 
be that on the left or the right of the political spectrum. Uh, and I think that news media ought to be more impartial with the way that they present facts. Uh, because facts are the same for everybody, regardless of whether you're a Democrat or Republican or what have you. So I wanted to reassure you guys that I'm using sources that are factually reliable and impartial in the way that they present news and and things like that. And NPR is um, at the top of the list, really, for... Um, sources that are impartial and unbiased in the way that they present information. And they put out a poll recently. I don't know how many people were uh, questioned for this particular poll, but of them, about 70% agree with the statement that the country is in crisis and at risk of failing. Uh, and about 64% of them believe that U.S. democracy specifically is at risk of failing. And I think that those two answers stem largely from the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th uh, in 2021. I'm recording this on January 5th, so tomorrow will make one year uh, since that happened. And I think that what we've got to deal with is that over the past few years, there's been a considerable erosion in the trust that people have in institutions like the news media, the government, um, elections, and things like that. I think that regardless of whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, an independent, whether you would say that you're conservative or liberal or progressive or libertarian or moderate, we've all got to have faith in our elections, that they're free and fair and secure. Because without the faith in those elections and that the outcomes they produce are you know, reflective of what the people want, we don't really even have a democracy. And the more faith that we lose in those institutions, the greater risk I think there is of us losing our democracy. But we've also got to accept reality as it comes. We can't accept one um, election result if it's in our favor and then disregard another if it's not in our favor when we know that both are free and, and fair and secure. Well, we know that the 2020 presidential election was free and fair and secure, the most secure in the country's history, according to a top election security as official from the previous administration. Regardless of uh, the lies that have been propagated about it, there's almost no evidence to support the statements that there was widespread voter fraud that swung the election from one side to the other. There have been, I think, almost 100 lawsuits brought um, before several different courts in different states alleging voter fraud and corruption and things like that. And judges appointed by presidents of both parties have thrown out every single one of those suits because none of them were based in fact. The fact is that on in November of 2020, uh, Joe Biden was elected president of the United States. Uh, and some folks, for their own political gain, decided to stoke a lie that he was not duly elected president of the United States. 
and they sow doubt in the integrity of that election despite having no evidence to support the claims that they were making. And all of that because of also, I think, the um, the fact that certain news organizations peddled that lie and reported on it like it was fact. Certain in individuals within those news agencies and organizations, media things, media outlets, I should say, they sowed the seeds of doubt that eventually produced the uh, insurrection at the Capitol. And the violence that we saw on that day was, to put it mildly, unacceptable. And it's scary because, you know, we, I think, up until that point, I certainly didn't think that anything like that could happen here. Because one of the hallmarks, one of the defining features of our elections and our democracy is that when power is transferred from one party to the other, it's done peacefully. And that the incumbent president, senator, congressional representative willingly gives over power when the people elect a different person. When George Washington stepped down after having served two terms, he could have run for a third and a fourth and a fifth, as many as he had wanted. But when he stepped down after two terms, uh, King George III um, was told that George Washington was stepping down, and George III said that if Washington does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. Because nobody had ever uh, heard of this idea that an incumbent leader would willingly give up power. When... John Adams ran for re-election uh, as president and lost to Thomas Jefferson. He willingly gave power from his own party, the Federalists, to, Dem to the Democratic Republicans, Jefferson's party. Uh, and when there were reports that Adams was willingly stepping down from power, even though a person from the other side had won the election, um, people all over the world couldn't believe that that happened because no one had ever done that before, willingly gave up power. And, uh, and did it peacefully. And that's what defines who we are for the rest of the world. We're a country where even if, even though we have different ideas about important topics, we can all appreciate the fact that our neighbors have a right to hold those different beliefs. And we have the freedom to debate and discuss what those ideas are and what they mean and we can set aside those differences and realize that there's a lot more that we have in common than we have differently from one another all over the country. And that's the way that an overwhelming majority of the people in the country still feel. Um, that same poll that I told you all about uh, from NPR, uh, the folks interviewed there, a majority of them rejected political violence. Uh, a majority of them want uh, voting laws to make elections fair. And that goes to show how there is a lot more that we have in common and that we agree on when it comes to fundamental issues like voting and uh, rejection of violence. We agree more on those things than we disagree, regardless of our different ideas about politics and things like that. And I think that what we have to realize is that 
it's okay if our side doesn't always win an election when the election is free and, and open and secure. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is uh, The West Wing. It was a uh, political drama on uh, from the late 90s to the early 2000s. You all must be really surprised that I liked watching political drama TV shows, I know. Um, and one of the main characters is C.J. Craig, and she is the press secretary of the president on this show, who's played by Martin Sheen. And one of her best lines in the whole show is that in a democracy, oftentimes other people win. And that is a fundamental truth that we're going to have to accept going forward from this time when there's a lot of division in the country that other people are going to win elections sometimes. But if we all recognize that no matter which party wins the election, especially if our elected representatives realize, whether it's a governor, a senator, state senator, state representative, congressional representative, all the way up to the president, if they realize and if we realize that it's not about the letter beside of your name, it's about the fact that you're a human being and you're an American and you ought to be treated with respect and you have a right to hold your ideas and beliefs and express them. And we all have a duty to abstain from resorting to violence when our side doesn't win an election. I think that's how we can start to come back together and realize that Regardless of our differences, we're all united in the fact that we're Americans, that we have a right to, to hold certain ideas, and that we have a right to express those ideas, and that we have a duty to reject those who try to use violence to overturn an election. So as we approach um, uh, one year since the, uh, the attack on the Capitol, I think we should all remember, uh, certainly in our you know, thoughts and prayers, the, the families of the uh, Capitol police officers who uh, died as a result of that. But we should also remember that regardless of our differences in uh, politics or, or things like that, there's so much more that we can unite around than be divided by. And how we can still be kind and respectful uh, towards our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers uh, with whom we may disagree about things like politics. And that we shouldn't let those disagreements get in between us to the point where we despise one another and hate one another. Uh, my faith teaches me that the greatest thing that we can do with our lives is uh, to love God and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so I encourage you to remember that even though we may disagree, we can still respectfully disagree and value one another and appreciate and love one another. So I'm going to leave you guys on that note. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I uh, hope I've gotten you a bit more uh, optimistic about the new year, a little bit more excited, especially for the Batman. Uh, and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Uh, hopefully I'll publish more than just five this year. So I'll set that as my New Year's resolution, I guess. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in and, uh, and listening. Uh, I'll leave you uh, as I've always left you. 
stay safe, stay healthy, love your neighbor, even if they disagree with you, uh, and do good things. I'll catch you all next time.